0: Uh, Acts 27 verse 1, and when it was decided that we should set sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to centurion, to a centurion of the Augustan co- cohort named Julius. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hello, kids. It's good to see you in here as well. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Naya, and I am one of the pastors here, and it is good to be with you this morning. And so before we begin, if you want to turn your Bibles to Acts 27, we'll be there, and Acts 28. So I'll be flipping it um, between those, so if you want to join and follow me, please um, go there in your Bibles. Um, But let's pray, and we'll get started. Lord, we just sang um, that heart of my own heart, whatever befall that you would be our vision, O ruler of all. And Lord, we we ask that you would be our vision this morning and that your spirit would speak to our hearts, that we would hear the words um, that you want to speak to us this morning, Lord, and that we would take them and listen to them and be doers of the word and be reminded of how you pursue us and continue to pursue us. We thank you, and we love you, and Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. A few months ago, I endured one of the hardest moments there ever was as a pastor. Um, It was March of this year. And some of you were actually here. Um, It was Good Friday, and it's one of my favorite services. And the music was going great, and the readings were phenomenal, and I was feeling the just move of the Spirit in here. I mean, I'm reminded of Jesus' death and how he came to, you know, save the world and to cleanse us from our brokenness and sin. And right before um, my time to read, I walk up to the stage, and it's the climax of the service. I have Jesus' death, okay? And so I come up to the stage, and right before I utter my first word, I heard a noise. And it wasn't your ordinary chair-moving noise, Right? It wasn't people like whispering to each other. It wasn't people even moving around in the back. Uh, but it was a noise that sounded like, <laughs> I mean, friends, someone just ripped one. And I, like, if there is something you need to know about me is that ever since I was a little girl, ever since I was a little girl, farts have always been funny to me. I mean, it doesn't matter, okay, it doesn't matter. Every time I hear one, I cannot contain myself, and I couldn't contain myself in that moment because I had to come up here with a straight face and say Jesus' death while just hearing that noise. And somehow, somehow I made it through. I read up there for two minutes. I went and sat down, and Barbara and Eric and Ryan were sitting there, and Ryan couldn't contain herself, and she was laughing, and I put my head on Barbara's shoulder, and she was rubbing my back so that I can fool everybody to think that I was crying, but I was not crying. I mean, my shoulders were up and down. I was laughing because I couldn't hold it, and somehow I got through it and I laughed and it was a good twist to my Good Friday service and it'll always be a story um, that I remember. But some of you here this morning have your own funny, enduring story, right? Whether you had to be professional um, when something went wrong at your job that was hilarious or some of you had to be serious when someone mispronounces something, right? Or when someone falls off their chair or says something that's not right. But uh, there's also some of you who had to endure heavy and hard circumstances. Some of you had to endure loss and sickness. Uh, Some of you are having to endure, even right now, um, broken relationship, a difficult marriage, a hard diagnosis. And some of you are enduring the pain of finding out the brokenness and trauma of your upbringing that you've been avoiding for so long. And some of you are enduring the weight of your regret and your shame. And if you just live a while, whether you believe in Jesus or not this morning, we are people who have to endure And how we do that depends, because sometimes we either give up and remain out of touch with our own lives, realizing that we haven't even set foot on the boat, or some of us think that we're better than we actually are and avoid this reality altogether, not realizing that we're actually drowning. And so in our passage this morning, we are going to encounter someone else's endurance story. And as we do, we are going to answer this question. How do we hold on to hope and endure in our seasons of difficulty? What are some truths that we are to hold on to in order to endure our seasons of hopelessness? Well, first, our passage this morning tells us to listen to the warning signs. And now, if you're with us us last week or you're not, and this is your first time, um, we have been in a kind of a couple-month series on the book of Acts. Um, And we have been seeing how the church has been sent to do various things. Um, And today, we're looking at how the church is sent to endure. And last week, Tim talked about how Paul was on trial before King Agrippa in Caesarea and giving his testimony. And today we find Paul that he is now put on a boat to set sail to Rome. And now Paul has been trying to get to Rome for years. Because if you remember in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when we preached on that, Jesus told his disciples, You will be my witnesses in Judea, in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And Rome, in the book of Acts, is considered the ends of the earth. And so this is great. I mean, Paul is following God's mission. Right? He's ready to set sail and finally get to Rome. And so he gets on a boat with some other prisoners. And he finds the centurion who was the guard of all the soldiers on the boat. And his name was Julius. And Paul found favor uh, with Julius. And so they get ready to set sail along the province of Asia. And I think there's a map behind me now where it can show you where Caesarea, that's the red circle there, that's where they are. Um, and now they're setting sail to Sidon, which is really right up north, right there. That's where they land first, at Sidon. And it wasn't too far from Israel. And in fact, Paul had found favor with, the, with Julius that Julius actually let him go and see some friends. Friendship and hospitality in the book of Acts was a big deal. And so Paul got off the ship said hi to some friends, and then now they're on their way again. Um, And so they leave, they leave Sidon, right, and they are going to pass to the Lee of Cyprus because the winds were against them now. And some of you in here know better than I do that in order to sail, the wind matters. Because remember, this is the first century There are no motors on boats, right? There are no cruise ships. They were heavily reliant on the winds. And so they were passing the lee of Cyprus, which means that the winds were not cooperating. And they were encountering some bad weather and had to land at Myra, which if you continue to follow the purple arrow, you'll see that Myra is their next landing point. And there, Julius figured out that he needed to get another ship because the ship that they had was not going to withstand the weather conditions. And so they get an Alexandrian ship, which the Alexandrian ships were the heaviest and largest ships of the day. And so they find those ships and they're on their way. Yet more difficulty came. And mind you, this trip from Caesarea to Italy where Rome is should only have taken five weeks which to us that's like that's a long time Um, but actually back then that was really doable five weeks was all right yeah we could do that in five weeks but it was actually taking longer than expected because of the weather they were encountering and it's like when you're on a road trip Right, and you put in your destination in the Google Maps and it says eight hours estimated time of arrival and you're like, great, we're optimistic, we're going to get there. But then you have unexpected detours or unexpected rain right? or the children have to go to the bathroom more than usual and it adds about four to five hours to your trip or, or when you're wanting to get on a plane but then there's a delay And then sometimes you have to actually get another plane because if it's weather permitted, then you can't even get on the plane. I mean, it's frustrating. We get frustrated when our time doesn't match. And so can you imagine these men wanting to get to Rome yet are taking an extra amount of detours because the weather isn't cooperating with them? And Luke tells us that this is during the time of the Day of Atonement, which he wants you to know that this is between late September and early October, which means that winter is right along the corner. And no one sails in the winter months. So they find themselves in a pickle. Because the worst part of the journey from Crete to Italy, as you can see, it's all blue. There are no landmarks there. It's all blue. And if you leave Crete, you're going to be in the water for a very long time. And you could be out in the middle of nowhere. And I don't know about you, but water in the middle of nowhere scares me because I can't swim. So I will die. It does not matter. So Paul being an experienced voyager and passenger at sea, says this to us in verses 9 and 10. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. Paul's like, hey, I may not be a sailor, but I do know that these conditions are not right to set sail. Let's not go. But Julius, instead of listening, took the advice of the owner of the ship and they set sail anyway. Friends, sometimes in our moments of difficulty, we have to endure the decisions of others and that's hard. Sometimes we don't have a choice Because someone had made a decision and sometimes you were the warning sign. You told someone, don't do it. Don't go over there. And yet we still have to endure those consequences. And that's hard. And the Bible talks about that throughout the scriptures. That what you do will affect someone else. But then sometimes God sends signs as obvious as a stop sign. Stop. Do not enter. Don't go that way. Or sometimes he sends warning signs through his word. Sometimes he sends it with the gathering of the people. Sometimes he sends it through your spouse or through a close relationship. I mean, God sends us warning signs. And regardless, in our moments of great difficulty, friends, listen to the warning signs. Paul warned these men before setting sail of the dangerous conditions that they were going to face. And they didn't listen because he wasn't a sailor. He was a prisoner. And friends, sometimes we ignore the people who appear to be the less qualified. We ignore and won't listen to the single person when we're talking about our marriage. Or we won't listen to the children when they are voicing their concerns. Or children, we won't listen to our parents when they're trying to guide us in what's the right thing to do. Or we won't listen to a person who comes from a different part of town. Or we won't listen to a person who might believe in something different because we think we know better. Or we won't listen to the person who might not be in charge. Friends, be careful who you ignore because God can be sending them to give you a warning sign. Have you been listening? Have you been watchful? And if you find yourselves this morning realizing that I haven't been listening, or that I haven't listened, or that I haven't been watchful, there's hope for us this morning. Because secondly, the way that we hold on to hope in our times of difficulty is that we expect God to show up. Because after they went on their way and got their warning sign, soon after, a hurricane force came and swept The down from the island and actually took hold of the ship. And so the winds could no longer control the ship, and now they're stuck in the storm, and the storm has taken over. And they were able to pass the lee and the winds of a small island called Kauda, but they couldn't make the lifeboat secure. And so they almost run aground because there were sandbars in the middle of the Mediterranean that if the ship got caught in one of those sandbars, it was over. Because the largest and heaviest ships at sea do not do well in shallow water and they took a hit from the storm that they started to throw cargo overboard. It didn't matter, they didn't care about the money, they didn't care about their resources, they started to jump ship because they needed the ship to be as light as possible in order to withstand. But after days without seeing the sun or the, or the stars, which stars helped them, guide them along their way, they lost all hope of being saved. And Let me ask you this morning, Have you ever felt like you've lost all hope? Where you've tried everything and nothing worked? These men were exhausted, scared, and they had not eaten in days. But look at what Paul says in verses 21 through 24. Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. I first love how Paul jabs them a little bit. Like, hey, y'all, even though we're in the middle of a storm, you should have listened to me because we wouldn't be in this pickle if you just listened to me. Right? It's the words that we all don't like to hear. I told you so. Right? Right? But then look at what he says in verses 22 to 24. Uh, But now I urge you to keep up your courage, Paul, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and, and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. In their moment of hopelessness and utter despair, God shows up and gives them a word of hope. Even though they didn't listen to Paul, even though they didn't heed his warning, God still showed up. And reassures them that, hey, guess what? Not one, no, not even one will be destroyed or lost. And so it was midnight. And the sailors uh, sensed that they were approaching land. Um, And sometimes, friends, you are given a little glimpse of hope so that you can make it through the storm. Sometimes you're given a little glimpse of what the destination looks like so that you can get through the winds and the waves so that you can get there. Because the water was 120 feet deep. And then they realized that actually it was only 90 feet deep. And they were afraid that their boat was going to break against the rocks. And listen, friends, I can understand their fear for a little bit, okay? Because I was on a little motorboat when I was about 12 and 13, right, with my mom's husband and my brother um, and one of his friends, and it was fun. I mean, we were enjoying Lake Michigan. It's not the Mediterranean, but it's Lake Michigan, and we were having a blast on this little motorboat, right, having a grandiose time. But then all of a sudden, the little waves of Lake Michigan began to bring our boat towards a lighthouse, and there are rocks in the bottom of that lighthouse, and our little boat started hitting against the rocks, And you can tell my 12 or 13-year-old self, I mean, I was scared. And I was panicking, and I was moving around the boat. And my stepdad's trying. He grabs the broom. I don't know how we have a broom in a boat. But he grabbed the broom, and I was thankful for that broom. And he was pushing it against the rocks. And we're all yelling and screaming, what are we going to do, you know, for like 5 to 10 minutes. And then finally, we were able to get the boat a little bit away of the rocks so that we can keep going on the lake. And so these men are scared because their ship will break in half. And they prayed to God, just like I did. And there were some sneaky sailors on the ship because they wanted to escape. I I don't blame them. I mean, they're in the middle of a storm. Might as well get out. We have lifeboats. Um, And so they were going to drop down the lifeboats, but they were trying to make it seem as they were going to drop down the anchors of the ship. But Paul catches them and says to Julius, hey. If these men go, we're all done. If these men get out, you will lose your hope of being saved. I think the soldiers got their lesson, and so they trusted Paul and got those men to get back on the boat, and they had to let the lifeboats drift away. Friends, have you ever had to let go of something that you thought brought you life? Have you ever had to let go of something that you thought worked? Or that was working for a little bit, but you had to let it go. Paul urges them then to eat. So can you imagine the midst of a storm? You know what? Let's just eat. You know, I'm gonna break bread. He breaks bread, he gives thanks to God. The men haven't eaten in 14 days, and they eat. And there was two hundred and seventy-six men on board. Did you catch that? Two hundred and seventy-six men on board. And after eating, they threw away the remainder of the grain because they continued to try to lighten the ship. And the next day, they saw a bay with a sandy beach, and they decided to cut the anchors and untie the ropes that held the rudders. And they were setting sail to the beach, but the ship got caught in one of those sandbars in the sea, and it began to break. The ship was breaking to pieces. And the soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners because they thought that they were just going to swim and get away. But Julius, our man Julius, didn't allow it because he knew that if they were to kill the prisoners, that meant they were going to kill Paul. And Julius knew we cannot kill Paul. And so Julius orders those who couldn't swim to jump overboard. Now, can you imagine that for a moment? You're on a ship in the middle of nowhere, it's crazy weather conditions, you can't swim, and they're telling you, jump. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking this is it. And I know that there are some of you here this morning who can't swim. You are finding yourselves this morning not able to swim and you are drowning in difficulty dealing with a broken marriage, broken family, broken dreams, broken promises, and I want to tell you this morning that there are broken pieces that are available to you to keep you afloat. Because the rest of the people who couldn't swim found the planks and pieces of the ship and they held on to dear life as those ships kept them above water and they all made it to land safely. The rest of the people couldn't swim and they found broken pieces that kept them above water. Friends, some of you need to know this morning that you can make it on broken pieces. Some of you this morning need to be reminded that God shows up and acts in ways that are unexpected and he's in the business of taking broken pieces and making something beautiful out of them. And we can rely on the broken pieces and know they can be used because every single Sunday we gather here and we partake of a body that was broken for you and was broken for me. God is in the business of using broken pieces. You do not have to be ashamed of your brokenness because you can make it. You will make it to land safely. Two hundred and seventy-six men made it to shore. Not one was lost. And so we hold on to hope, and endure in difficult seasons, because, and by listening to the warning signs, by expecting God to show up, and lastly by embracing the welcome of others. Um, They land safely on an island called Malta. And I think there's a map, or there might not be. There it is. So Malta is right there um, on my left over here. And so they land on that itty bitty little island. And they were shown incredible kindness. I mean, the islanders welcomed them, um, which we have learned throughout our series and acts that hospitality and welcome and kindness is a major theme in the first century. I mean, it was the thing that people did. But then they got a little panicked because Paul arrived and there was a snake on him. And to them, that signified a curse and evil. And so they're like, this man's a murderer. I mean, they're scared. But you know what? Paul just shakes it off like our friend Taylor Swift, right? Shake it off. Like he just does that. Shakes it off and doesn't get bit or anything by the snake. And then they're like, oh, maybe he's a god. I mean, what a drastic change from murderer to God. But anyway, everything was fine, and Paul shook it off. Um, and they encounter a chief official by the name of Publius, and he showed them great hospitality. Um, and Paul comes by to where he lived and heals his father because Publius's father was sick. And after three months, and Publius and his team gave. Paul everything they needed all those men they they needed a new ship they needed a new cargo and they were supplied everything that they needed even the same exact ship an Alexandrian ship and they went on to journey to Rome and after some weeks on the sea and the help of others they finally made it to Rome friends Paul couldn't make it to Rome without the centurion Julius, without the soldiers, without the other prisoners, without the sailors, and without Publius. He couldn't get through his difficult season without others coming and walking alongside him, without others welcoming him, and without others giving their time and resources to them. And friends, we don't have to get through our seasons of difficulty alone. In fact, we never do. If you are a follower of Jesus this morning, you are a part of a community that is known for its endurance. Throughout the centuries, the church has endured every storm that has come against her. And you know why? Why? because over 2,000 years ago, there was a man by the name of Jesus who endured it all. Insults, rejection, loss, homelessness, grief, pain, loneliness, beatings, and even death. And he endured because of the joy that was set before him because he knew that his endurance was going to have an impact on all the world for the rest of eternity. And he rose from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father. And you and I get to rest in the assurance that yes, we shall and we will overcome. So in our moments of difficulty, we hold on to hope by listening to the warning signs, expecting God to show up, And by embracing the welcome of others, because God in Christ by His Spirit has welcomed you and I. Let's pray. God, we were just saying a little bit ago that for every fear, there's an empty grave, and that the darkness fades into new beginnings, and that is our hope. The hope that, yes, this life brings us trials and pain and suffering, yet at the same time we get to hold on to hope and joy in the midst of it. That is our story. That is the Christian story. And we thank you for the reminder this morning that you use broken pieces. That you use broken pieces. And so, God, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done in Jesus. And we thank you that we get to gather together and encourage one another. And I pray, Lord, that we would take heed to your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.